Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 19. 2 Peter chapter 1, and I titled this message, God's Prophetic Word is True. And you'll remember last time we were together, we were encouraged to remember and rely upon the Word of God. That's where we start, and that's also where we end. We start in the Word of God, and we end in the Word of God. And what is truly lacking in so many lives today is the depth of God's Word penetrating our minds and changing our lives. So much drama and difficulty exists among believers today, let alone unbelievers, but so much drama and difficulty and regular repetitive sin exists in the body of Christ today because God's word is not penetrating the minds and hearts of his people. It was the prophet of Amos, you can jot it down, it was the prophet Amos that declared this. Listen carefully. In Amos chapter 8 verse 11 it says, Behold the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Imagine that for a second. A famine in hearing the words of the Lord. We certainly are living in a time where the words of the Lord are going forth more than ever before. With technology, the ability for God's word to go out continually is multiplied today. So it's not a famine, even in the days of Amos, that the word of God wouldn't go forth. It's the exact opposite. God's judgment, Amos is declaring God's judgment will come upon his people across the board. They're going to face difficulties economically. They're going to face difficulties spiritually. And God's word would go forth during that time. During the time of great difficulty, as they suffer the consequences of their own bad decisions, God in his grace and mercy, according to Amos, is going to continue to give forth his word, even in great difficult and trying times. The famine of God's word is not that it will go forth. The famine will be that men and women will not receive it. Believers, his people, not, many times this is, This is a declaration, pastors use this as a declaration of, oh, look at the world today, and oh, look at the lack of Bible teaching churches, and oh, look, and those may be true, that may be true, but what Amos is saying here, what God is saying, is that this is not merely a statement of a lack of solid Bible teaching, that there is not a lack today of solid Bible teaching. It is certainly available, and it is certainly going forth today. What, what, it, what he's saying is that this is a warning that there is a day coming both in Amos' time and I believe in our time where there'll be a wholesale abandonment of God's word. Let me sh- t- tell it to you from a different, let me show it to you from a different place in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Just let it sink in. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. For so many years, I looked at this passage of scripture and I simply applied it to unbelievers, to those outside of the church. But the longer that I've served God and the more study that I've done on this text, I mean, if you, if you look at it carefully, it's applying to two groups of people. It's applying, first of all, to the people that you are preaching the word of God. And by the way, there is a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the gospel that is primarily to unbelievers, where you preach the good news that your sins can be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, who came as a messenger, God in human flesh, to demonstrate the love of God for you by dying on the cross, being buried, and he rose again the third day. When you preach the word, you preach the word and the good news to those that need to hear of their great need for forgiveness. But there's also teaching. As he says to be ready, notice, in season and out of season, and this is Timothy, he says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Teaching is for the saved. You see, if you try to teach the Bible to unbelievers, they don't have the Holy Spirit, they can't understand the Bible. They won't be able to understand it. They'll, they'll even come back and go, I don't get a word you said, I don't understand what you're saying, because there's a singular message that an unbeliever receives during the teaching of God's word. And the singular message is, you are not right with your creator. You're not right, there's not a right relationship with your creator. Teaching is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That, that's why we crave the teaching of God's word, why we feed on the teaching of God's word, and we receive it. So preaching and teaching are two different things. And any good pastor and any good teacher will do both at the same time, because there's always a mixed multitude listening to your Bible study. There's always people that need to hear it. Not only that, but let's just say you have a couple people in a little home Bible study that are believers already. When you preach and teach at the same time, you're teaching them just by doing it how to preach and teach to others. But see, this is not just for these last, these end times, this famine in the word of God. It's not merely for the lost world. It's for us. There are people among us right now that are turning their ears away from the truth and they're being turned aside to, well, in this case, fables, but I would say to nonsense or to false teaching. And they've gotten off. They've taken, they have, you could say in a very real way, they're like the church of Ephesus that have left their first love. And they're calling things the gospel that's not the gospel. And, and they're involved and all their energies and efforts are all caught up in things that simply are not eternal. And they've turned away. There's a famine of the word of God. They sit and Bible studies, they listen to Christian radio, and then they live their life in a way that have turned their ears away from the truth. They have what? They have heaped up for themselves teachers that are telling them what they want to hear. Now, before you even relegate this sense of, well, that's not me, Ed, that'll never be me. You know, when something is hard and difficult, it comes from the pulpit and you don't like it, and it can repetitively comes from the pulpit, this pulpit or any pulpit, and you don't like it, you have a tendency to find people that agree with you. That's normal human endeavors. 
You might be in an argument with your spouse, and if you're not careful, you'll break that circle of confidentiality within your marriage, and you will complain about your spouse, and what are you looking for? Someone that will agree with you. Someone that will uh, massage your ego, perhaps, or help you in stating your case to make it right, and you're looking for someone that agrees with you. Now, that's dangerous in a marriage. It's super dangerous in your relationship with the Lord, where you are feeling a certain way, and there becomes a famine of hearing the word of God and applying it in your life. Here, here's the thing. Whenever you open the Bible, you cannot, I, I mean, I guess you can, but it, it is not proper. It's not proper to take the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. That is not the proper way to use the Bible. The Bible is here to change you. You are forbidden to change the Bible. You, the Bible, there's, there is a great warning to anyone that adds or takes away from the scriptures. The Bible is intended to change you ongoing. I'm to be changed every time the word of God. I'm to understand the character and the nature of God, and it is to change me. So why is there a famine? Well, there's a famine because moms and dads aren't reading the Bible. There's a famine because kids aren't reading the Bible. There's a famine because pastors are not teaching it. And you, you, you look back and go, where is the word of God? You, you have a, an argument at work and there's no, you, there's nothing. You are not sharing the word of God with your coworkers. Now, that doesn't mean you get up on your desk and you open your Bible and you start preaching the gospel to them. But if the Bible is in you, then when you have issues with others, the Bible will come out of you. If the Bible is not in you, then you're just going to fight. You're going to get all involved in things. You're going you're to be in positions and places where it's obvious, obvious. 100% obvious that you're not feasting. That's the opposite of famine. You're not feasting on God's word. You're not in it. It's not in you. You're not standing on it. You're also not standing under its authority. No wonder the church is sick today. No wonder. So Peter is writing to people in chapter 1, verse 19, Peter's writing to this group of believers under great duress, under great persecution. And now not only is it outwardly from Rome and the government, but it's inwardly. Now 2 Peter is all about the inward persecution. On top of the outward difficulty, now false teachers have come in to take advantage of the chaos that many times persecution brings. I mean, you think about just in your own life, how when you're going through it, how vulnerable you are to suggestion, how vulnerable you are to go back to sinful habits that you left, how vulnerable you are for someone that just agrees with you. And, you know, I find it, I, it happens all the time. It happens all the time where there's a, and we'll get to it in chapter two, but where false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing come in here and gather people together, and we have to jump in and break it up. That's our responsibility, you know. Our responsibility is to break it up. Uh, you, as a wolf, are not allowed to take advantage of this church. You're not welcome here. You're welcome here if you get saved and become a sheep, but if you're a wolf, you're not welcome here to take advantage of the people of this church, of the families of this church. You got some weird doctrine or whatever. We'll get into that in chapter two, but yeah, there are weird people with weird doctrines 
And they want to take advantage of, of sincere, God-loving people. The way that we stay, the way that you help us as pastors and shepherds is by being a man or a woman of the word. And that's what Peter is saying, look, you got all this, all this weird doctrines and discussions and distractions and defectors that want to take advantage of you because you're vulnerable and you're hurting. And what does he say in verse 19? We have the prophetic word confirmed. I think in the old King James it says the sure word of prophecy. We have this prophetic word that's been confirmed. Listen, and you might want to mark this in your Bibles. If you have it open or highlight it, circle it on your electronic Bible, it says that you will do well to heed. The prophetic word you will do well to heed or obey as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have the prophetic word confirmed. Here's what, here's what he's saying. In the midst of all the difficulties, you start to doubt the word of God. You start to doubt it. You might even begin to wonder, I wonder if everything I've ever believed is wrong. Because look at my life. Look how hard it is. Look how challenging it is. I wonder if the word of God is even real. I wonder if God is even real. And you begin to doubt God's word. But we learned last time that it's the word of God that will change a life, not these hyper experiences or even good experiences like Peter had when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. That experience was not going to carry him the rest of his life because experience only begets more experiences. You know, we have these groups of people together that come and say, oh yeah, come on, come on, we're going to have a great event. We're going to have, come together. And then while you're at the event, they say gold dust is falling. And so now you got your gold dust falling or all kinds of weird stuff. And what does that build you up? It, it builds you up to come back with a cup next time for the next gold dust. And he's like, oh, look at this. What, what, what's your church doing? Oh, we're just studying the Bible and praying for people. Oh, you, man, you, dude, you, what are you guys doing, man? We moved beyond that. We got gold dust, man. We got gold dust. And then you're like, whoa, gold dust. I mean, I mean, we are just studying the Bible and, and we are just praying and I don't even want to pray and I don't want to pray with people and you know, we do just sing and I didn't even know that song. And you get it all into the carnality of putting the spotlight on yourself and gold dust is pretty attractive. See, woo, yee, yippee, gold dust, gold dust. It's such a joke. It's so not true, not real. I don't know what's happening there, but it's not from the Lord. You know what's from the Lord? Your steady commitment to God's word, and you would do well to what? Heed it. Yeah, but Ed, there's no gold dust. Nope, there's not. And you would do well to believe God's word and do it. Listen to it. You would do well. Peter could live forever on that experience, but he didn't. He lived forever on the prophetic word. That's the problem with experience is it begets more. It produces a craving for more. I'm grateful for the heritage of our church family at Calvary Chapel because they taught us to teach the Bible verse by verse. That's how I was discipled. It wasn't in a discipleship group. It wasn't in a classroom. It was through the steady diet of the word of God. It's what motivated us. For those of you that are just joining our church in the last couple years, it's what motivated us to invest our resources in a radio station. Not to simply be on the radio station, but to have one for our city. To provide one 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at great personal cost to our own church family. 
a great personal invest, investment of people's time and, and their, their workflow and, and just unbelievable spiritual warfare. Why? Because just like experiences will create a craving for more experiences, listen, the Word of God will create an appetite for more of the Word of God. I mean, when you hear the Word of God taught for the first time, how many times, and I'm sure some of those testimonies, you don't need to raise your hand, but I'm sure there's testimonies even among us right now where you're hearing a Bible study and you go, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Well, part of it is learning. You know, you haven't read through the Bible all the way through, and I get that. Part of it's just learning. You're a new believer. But part of it, for some people, they've been in a church for their whole life, and they never opened the Bible. It's all in here. It's amazing, the Bible, how relevant it is to your life. So the Word of God also begets more of the Word of God, and there won't be a famine, like James said, when you hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. So we have the prophetic Word. We have the prophetic Word. You know, in the years that I've been pastoring here in Colorado, I've seen this shift in emphasis in some churches to follow after signs and wonders. I've seen a shift in many churches to go after, like, you know, the... The, the cultural message that will be easily received. Uh, I've seen churches, their whole sermon series is about whatever movies are in the theaters. Listen, you don't need more movies when you come to church. You need the Word of God. You don't need to try to craft and go, well, you know, I watched this latest Marvel movie, and if you see it this way, and you close your eye and turn your head left, it was the Bible right there. Yeah, maybe there's some great novel things in the latest Marvel movie that are entertaining and and even noble, but it's not the Word of God, man. It's not going to change your life. What's going to change your life is the noble example of Jesus Christ and his followers fully submitted to him. That's what's going to change your life. That's what's going to change you from the inside out and give you the the stamina and endurance to face anything. And to me, you know, whether it's signs and wonders or cultural, you know, like, like believe me, the Bible needs to be culturally relevant. I'm not saying that. Like, definitely the, the message of the gospel needs to resonate with the people that are listening, that live in the culture. Absolutely. But the Word of God, we can't mess with it. The message can, get, the message can never change. Do you guys with me, church? The message can't change. The methodology in delivering it of course it's going to change, but the message, the message in and of itself in the hands of the Holy Spirit will penetrate the hearts for which it's been sent out, the message. So if you mess with the message, then forget about it. I mean, you, it, you're not just one degree off, you're, you're going in the exact opposite direction of the crucified Jesus Christ, the one that was, that was crucified and died for you. That's the message we preach, by the way, Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried and rose again. That's the gospel. Oh, but Ed, that's, I mean, that's, that's not much. No, it's enough. It's enough. It is the message of the gospel that will change your life. And what's sadder is that many people follow. Many people follow. I mean, in my email box today, I had a couple of emails, uh, one from a church that, that believed in the seed faith stuff and wanted me, a, they literally asked me to sow a seed into their believe it, if I believe it, I will see it, ministry. Here's my seed. Abandon that false teaching and let it grow. The Lord will take care of you. But it's like, and I, another email was, uh, I opened today was, was just as bad in sense of somebody just getting off track. It's just off track. Just got to stay on track. 
It's easy to walk right past God's word or even co-opt God's word instead of just letting the word of God speak. So we have the prophetic word, the prophetic word. God, the prophetic word is powerful. It is one of the evidences that the Bible that you hold in your hand is divine in origin, not human, divine in origin. Can I show you something? Flip over to Isaiah 46 with me, would you? Isaiah chapter 46. We really need, you really need to see this either for the first time or by way of reminder. The prophetic word, that's what he emphasizes. We have the prophetic word. We have the 300 plus prophecies of the coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ, Peter says. We experienced it. We saw it with our own eyes. Why is, it, why is the prophetic word so important? Because our God knows the future from beginning to end. And one reason we know, one of the many reasons we know that this book is from him is because it's filled with very precise prophetic predictions that only God can know. Notice in Isaiah 46 verse 9, Isaiah 46 verse 9, it says, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Listen, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Go over to chapter 48 now, verse 3. Isaiah 48, just a couple pages over, verse 3. I've developed this in other Bible studies. If you want to go online, you want to go to our app and just search uh, something with the word Bible in the title. I forget what the title of the message is exactly. I think it's you can trust your Bible. I think we developed this. I think that's the message. You can trust your Bible and we developed this in more depth. But notice here in verse three, it says, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth and I caused them to hear it. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. See, I declared them from the beginning, and they went forth, and suddenly, notice he says, verse 3, I did them, because I knew, verse 4, that you were obstinate, that your neck was an iron sinew, and that your brow was bronze. Even from the beginning, I've declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idol has done them, and my carved image and my molded image have commanded them. God says right here in his word, I've said things in advance to prove to you, not that you would associate it to some idol or some other man, I have told you things to prove ahead of time so you know when they come to pass that I am God. And so what does Peter say back in 2 Peter? It's the confirmed prophetic word that we cling to that God is saying. God's saying to us, look, one of the evidence I give you is that I, that I am who I say I am is I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen in the future. No other so-called little G God can do that. And so we trust the Bible that we hold in our hands. We trust it. We trust it. Notice back in Peter now in verse 20. He says, knowing this first, why do we trust it? Well, he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Let me just say, for those of you that have studied inductive Bible study, this is how we've been trained to study and teach the Bible, you know that there is one interpretation to the Scriptures. There's not two, there's not five, there's not three, there is one interpretation. While there might be many applications, how to use the text unless you get the right interpretation, 
all of your applications will be wrong. And so we'll be bringing back very soon here a inductive Bible study seminar from our brother down in the Springs, and he'll come up for maybe a Friday, Saturday, and teach anyone that wants to learn how to study the Bible that way very interactively. It's very good. We'll give you a heads up before he comes. But there's only one interpretation. But what, what, what much of teaching is today is a guy coming up, opening his Bible, throwing out a verse, and then just totally shredding it and then giving all the kinds of opinions and attitudes and false applications. Why? False applications because he didn't have the right interpretation. There's no, nobody has a private. You can't come, and this will build into chapter two. You won't be able to come up here to the stage and go, Ed, Ed, you don't understand. I, I've, I've got a, a new understanding of this verse. Okay, bro, like the Bible's been around for 2,000 years, and you're the first person to figure this out. In all of history, all the people that have given their life for the scriptures, all the people, yeah, 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 the Lord gave it to me in a dream. Nah, man, no, nah, no thanks. That's not, that's not from the Lord. The Bible is very clear. It was written historically in a known language w- with a context and a time. And so you got to read it until you understand what it meant to its hearers. That's why we keep mentioning Peter wrote to people under, uh, under great duress to the government. Because we're going through something in our own time and age, and we've got issues with government. We don't lead with that. We don't lead with culture. We don't say, well, because everything's going, let's go to the Bible and find out what it has to say about how to live today. No. We go to the Bible and say, this is what it says. Then we apply it to our culture. And you got to get the order right. And that's what he says. No scripture is any private interpretation. It's not something you can just make up as you go as the false prophets were to the people in Peter's day. Notice, he says in verse 21 now, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We can trust the Bible because it was written by God and not men. We, what we have in the Bible today didn't originate in the minds of men, as false teaching does. All false teaching was made up by man, all of it. And when you think of man-made religion today, the emphasis is on man-made. So what Peter's saying is like, look, the Bible didn't start with man. The Bible came to man. What you guys are listening to started with man, and it's going to man. But he says, no way, the Bible, prophetic word, came from the supernatural mind of God. And often when someone comes to me with some weird teaching, some weird belief, I I like to ask them this question just so you can be ready. If you ever come to me with some weird teaching or some weird belief, I'm going to ask you a question pretty much like this. Where did you learn that? Where did you learn that? Who specifically taught you that? What teacher gave you that? Because you would never read the Bible on its own and come to that conclusion. Never. You would never read the Bible in its simplicity and come to the conclusion of the weirdness of that doctrine. Now, let me say, it's okay to ask good questions about weird things that you're thinking or, you know, questions you might have about the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. But if somebody comes up and goes, I got a new doctrine or, you know, like the time Michael the Archangel showed up at church. You know, Michael the Archangel showed up to our church one Sunday. He came in. Um, it, was, it was probably not a very wise thing, but he came in, uh, this brother, this man came in with a dark trench coat uh, right after 
Uh, it wasn't a few years after Columbine. That was mistake number one that Michael the Archangel made as he came in. And he's waiting for me. He's got, you know, he has all the attention of security, both the seen and the unseen security that we have here. They're all surrounding him. They go, hey, you know, this guy wants to talk to you, Ed, but he's kind of scary. You know, I'm like, hey, let me talk to him. I'd love to talk to him. I come up. He's got some weird thing. I, he had some word from God he said he had. By the way, he wasn't Michael the archangel, okay? He wasn't. And so as he comes, and I, you know, he says, my name's Michael, and he handed me his business card. I wish I would have kept it. It was a business card that said Michael the Archangel on it. I'm like, ooh. And I was in an interesting mood that day, and I said, man, if you're Michael the Archangel, where's your Bible? Wouldn't you think the angels would be using the Word of God showing up like that? And, and then I got really kind of, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. You could come to your own conclusions. But I did ask him. I said, where are your wings? Take your jacket off. I can see your wings. He was getting very angry with me at that time. But I didn't even need to ask him where he got that weird stuff in because it was not from the Lord on its face. And we said, you know, if you're going to believe that kind of stuff and you're going to bring that kind of stuff in here, we don't want you here. We want you to repent. Like, I don't know what you're into, guy. I don't know where you got this from, but you're not Michael the archangel. I can assure you that. And then he left and we haven't heard from him anymore. If you're Michael the archangel and you repented, I'd sure like to hear it. Because you know who you are that came in through here. We need to be careful. Because the word of God is not wrong. You're probably wrong, but the word of God's not wrong. If I make a mistake or I teach something that's wrong, I'm wrong. The Bible's not wrong. That's why you want to learn and I want to keep encouraging you. You test all things, hold fast to what is good. I'm not an infallible teacher I'm not without error. And even on secondary matters, that there's great debate in the body of Christ, I'm not entirely certain that my view is the view that's going to last the test of time. I am convinced in it. I am convinced biblically. I I do hold to the biblical view. I mean, I have biblical reasons, not just making it up, but I'm willing to admit if I need to be corrected, I need to grow. I want to grow just like you do. And I spend a lot of time studying the word, but I too make mistakes. See, holy men, it's the holy men of God that he chose. They were moved. Notice in verse 21, if you like to write in your Bibles, you should mark that word moved. It has the picture of being carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you know how some people come to you and say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. The Bible was written by men. Anybody ever say that to you? Here's your answer. You wanna, here's how you answer them. Yes, Men did write down the Bible. You don't need to fight them on that. Yes. Of course men. You know, you don't believe that God wrote the Bible and not man. No, I believe men wrote the Bible. Of course they did. Men wrote the Bible. They wrote down what God told them to write down as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They, They wrote down what God intended to be written down for us. So, of course, the Bible, the agency that God chose to reach man was man. Isn't that great? I mean, it's the same thing you parents do when you want to explain something real difficult to your kids. And, you know, little guys, like we had running through the building today, just little guys, one of the ways that you, one of the tools that you use in order to convince them or connect with them, what do you do? You get down on your knees and you look at them eye to eye. 
And what God did for you and me is he sent his only begotten son so his son could look us eye to eye. God in human flesh. It does make sense that God would, in his sovereign choice, condescend to our level to reach us. Even as Paul would adapt that into his lifestyle, you and I adapt that into our lifestyle. What? When Paul said, I've become all things to all men. Why? With the motive of reaching them, that some might be saved. So we learn as we are sending a missionary out to Thailand. She's doing a lot of study, I'm sure, on Thailand, culture, language. She's talking and learning and growing. Why? So she can become a more relatable tool in the hands of God. She's certainly not going to carry with her a message of, you guys are doing it all wrong, We're doing it right in Colorado, so let me tell you how to do it right now, and we're just going to copy everything we do in Colorado and Thailand. Well, first of all, if she doesn't change her language, she's not going to connect with anybody because they don't speak English there. I mean, you know, as a second language, many of them do, but there's a different language, a different culture, different food. As Pastor JJ was sharing when we did our mission support trip there, it, everything, it was, it was, you know, living, or staying in Thailand for a short amount of time was an assault on all your senses. And yet, for those that live there, it wasn't an assault on their senses at all. This is their culture. And it was a beautiful culture and a wonderful culture. It, it was a, a wonderful place to serve the Lord and visit Pastor Dave and Irina and Deneen and, and to learn from them. And here we are taking the word of God and recognizing God became man so that he could reach man. And some might say, well, God, couldn't he have done it another way? Of course he could have done it another way. But he chose this way. And so in the word of God, you say, can't God, couldn't have God done it a different way? Yeah, he could have done it a different way, but he chose to do it this way. And you go, how do you know what he chose? Because it says right here in the Bible that holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. One more verse and then we'll head out today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Would you go there with me? That's to the left from Peter. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Sure, men wrote down the word of God, but they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along. Men wrote it down, but God inspired it, literally carried them along. Notice verse 16. You can always remember 1 Timothy 3.16 as the verse. You know, John 3.16 is the verse that emphasizes the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 3.16 emphasizes the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. Notice, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Just to make sure everybody's with me, let me give you a real quick pop quiz. How much Scripture is given by inspiration of God? All of it, all of it. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and notice is profitable for four things. Every time you read the Bible, whether you understand it or not, God is working these four things out in your life. Number one, for doctrine, that's right teaching. Number two, for reproof, that's to tell you what's wrong teaching. Number three, for correction, that's, how you, that's to teach you how to change toward right teaching. And then number four, instruction in righteousness. That is how to continue on in right teaching. Why? Verse 17. So that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So doctrine, teaching us the truth about God. Reproof, teaching us what's wrong about ourselves. Correction, teaching us how to fix what's wrong. 
and instruction in righteousness, teaching how to maintain that which is right. God has given you the inspired scriptures, not only so that your faith might be built. Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. That's why reading it out loud is a double blessing. Reading the Bible out loud, even with your own voice, is a double blessing. Because not only are you seeing it with your eye and internalizing it, but you're reading it out loud and you're what? Hearing it. But now, you know, we, years ago we were so excited because we got this, we found this company that was doing MP3 Bible being read to you. And we did it like on a pack of 10 CDs or something. And we ordered all kinds of them. We were back in the school back then. It was just when the technology of MP3 was invented. And you had to, I don't even remember what kind of MP3 players there were back then. But you could put it in your computer on your Microsoft um, on your Microsoft XP or whatever the operating system was back then, your Office 95 or whatever it was, put it in the little CD tray, pop it in, and you could play the Bible being read to you. But now it's in your pocket. If you don't already have this app downloaded, you must download it. It's the U version, Y-O-U version, the most popular Bible um, app that, that is around translated into so many different languages, and one of the benefits is that many of the translations, they w- it will read it to you, and you can just have it read. That's what Marie does for her devotions. I'll, uh, I'll, go, I'll wake up first, go downstairs, have coffee, I'll come back up, and she's got the Bible going on in the bathroom as she's getting ready for the day. The Bible just going, filling our house, filling our bedroom with the Word of God, and it's the you version. It's a, it's a free you know, and that's where Pastor Craig Rochelle is such an inspi- inspiration to us because his church, they took on that project and have maintained it as a free gift to the world from the very beginning. It was there. You know, we've got this little thing, Grace FM, that God's doing here in Denver. That's our gift to the city. But now, you know, you've got other churches that model generosity. God blesses generosity. Just know that. God blesses generosity. God can always replace money. He can. Character that can't be replaced. It has to be developed. And a generous spirit, the Lord will bless generosity. The word of God is trust. So I would just say this as we, as we head out, my final word. Please, please, please be careful with your Bibles. And even as I'm encouraging you to download a free app, there nothing replaces a, a paper Bible. Nothing replaces what it smells like. It's just books, you know. This is a pretty new one too. It's just unbelievable. I love the smell of books. When you're at the doctor's office and you take a Bible out, there's no mistake what you're doing. When you have your word of God, it's one of the things we teach the pastors here and now the men and women in the school ministry, carry your Bible. This is the tool. You know, just like a construction person is going to take a hammer or one of those air gun things, whatever construction people use. They need their tools. Believer, you have one tool. It's the Bible. It's not books about the Bible. It's not other people's opinions about it. It's not even Bible studies or the apps or anything. It's the Bible. And if you have the Holy Spirit, he'll use the Bible in your life. He will use it. If you just read it and do it, God will bless you and you'll grow. So please be careful with your Bibles. If you don't own one, take one from the chair in front of you. Buy one downstairs. If you know all of our Bibles, we don't mention this, but downstairs, all of our Bibles, there's no markup on them. So like if you're looking for a Bible, go find it somewhere, get all the information, and then bring it here and see if we can order it for you. We may not be able to order it for you, but if we can, you'll get it at cost. There's no markup on the Bible. We want to get good Bibles in people's hands. 
We don't, we, we desire you to have a paper Bible. And, you know, I use mine on my iPad or anything. I'm not against that. But there's something about the Bible. So be careful with them. Don't let anyone take it out of your hands. Don't be discouraged from using it. Don't let churches, churches encourage you not to bring it, not to use it. Don't let cults try to replace it or add to it. Don't let the enemy discourage you away from it. The Bible is an awesome book. And if you will read it, if you will read it, if you will read it, you will find the same thing that Peter did. God's word is true. You can trust it. You can trust not only, see, because the final thing, did I say final or here's another final one? (laughs) When you read the book, just like some of you already have favorite authors in other genres, you know, have a favorite fiction author, you have a favorite nonfiction author. When you read the Bible, you know what happens? God becomes your favorite author. You fall in love with the author of the books you read the most. So fall in love with the author by starting with the book that he read. You're looking for a place to start? Start in the Gospel of John. Because not only will John point you to the Father, but John will point you to the Son. And the book of John, the Gospel of John was written so that you might believe. So to those of you who are wavering, those of you that need stronger faith in these difficult times, go to the book of John and just camp there. And just receive it in and let the Holy Spirit encourage you. So Father, thank you for the privilege of your word tonight, your prophetic word. It's more sure. It is reliable. You know, we go through those seasons of doubt and experience, you know, difficulty, but I'm grateful that you're patient with us, that you promise never to leave or or forsake us. So God, help us to fall in love with your word, to be men and women of your word. And even those that might be listening to me right now, they go, man, I've been reading and reading. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. I pray for patience and long-suffering in their lives, Lord, because you're doing an inside job. What they can't see is all that you see, the work you're doing inside, changing their minds. We don't want to be formed by the news cycles. We don't want to be formed by conservative people or liberal people. We don't want to be conformed, we want to be conformed by the popular voice, what gets spun in the media, what, what gets spun in our family, what gets spun in our own head. We want to be formed and conformed into the image of Christ. And we know that the tool to do that is your word. So may your word come alive in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.